This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's guest is Jennifer Dean. Jennifer experienced a near-death experience during her chemotherapy treatments used to treat her leukemia, and today we're going to learn about her experience. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, So when I was 13 years old, I was diagnosed with acute lymphocytic leukemia, and I began very aggressive chemotherapy treatments. This was back in 1995. And um, part of the treatment protocol was intrathecal methotrexate, which is um, chemotherapy injected into the spinal fluid because leukemia is cancer of the blood. So it can get to the brain through the blood brain barrier. So just to be extra safe um, with leukemia, part of the treatment is chemotherapy in your spinal fluid. So I would say probably six months into these treatments, um, I was scheduled for my first round of radiation to my brain and I have tattoos on my face from that, which were permanent because when they do radiation, it's got to be very precise because it's killing cells. So you don't want to kill more than you have to. So um, as I was sitting there with my mom in the waiting room at the radiology center, uh, they had wheeled me. I was at children's hospital of Philadelphia and they had to wheel me next door to the University of the Hospital, Pennsylvania, I think, uh, the radiology center. And as I was sitting there with my mom, um, all of a sudden, I like couldn't hold up my head. And then my arm, my left arm went dead and my left leg went out. I couldn't lift it. And I was just like, I looked over at my mom and said, something's wrong. I don't feel good. And she said, my mouth was drooping on the left side. And she was a home health aide for years. So she thought I was having a stroke and ran and got the nurse. They rushed me back to my um, hospital room at CHOP or Children's Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which CHOP. Um, And when I got back in there, my oncologist came up and he looked at me and it looked like he saw a ghost. (laughs) Like he didn't know what was happening. He looked very scared. And it prompted me to say, am I going to die? And he was like, I don't know. And I was, I just looked into thin air, like, this is it. Like that's, you never want to hear that from your doctor. (laughs) Um, And this was a really good hospital. So I was like, "Uh Oh, this is it. Like, I felt like this was it. And I just accepted it. I mean, I was at that time, I was 14 years old. So I just embraced whatever came next. I, I just was like, whatever I, I, what choice did I have? But then somehow shortly after that, 
my, my left side started to slightly come back and I was able to speak. And, um, so the doctor had given me the go ahead to eat and there was something else. He said that, thank God I didn't get that radiation treatment because had I gotten it, it would have burned the chemo into my brain. And like, I would have never come out of that. I would have had permanent effects. And so right then and there, I was like, something saved me. Like the divine timing of what happened. I was like the next patient to go in for my first round of radiation to my brain. So had that not happened when it did, I probably would never have come out of it. And luckily it didn't burn into my brain because the chemo was not done messing with my brain um, or attacking my brain. Um, After I got to go ahead to go ahead and eat, I was eating my lunch, um, watching Stand By Me with my dad, because like, I'll never forget that movie. And as I was was watching it, um, I went to swallow a carrot and I almost choked and I coughed it up. But I looked at my dad like so scared because I knew something was coming and I said, it's happening again. And he said that he didn't hear me say it's happening again. It was just like shaky mumbling coming from me when my eyes were filled with tears. And then I was out. Um, I fell unconscious at that point and I slipped into a vegetative state where I was fully aware when I was awake, but I was trapped in my body. So my body didn't work. I mean, like my arms were like this. It was a severe brain injury. So with that, your feet get crossed, your arms. It's a certain type of posturing, decorative posturing. And I had that. I actually have contractures that I had to have surgery on. I still have a contracture here from that incident um, where my body was locked into this position. But when I was awake... I was fully aware. So my mind was perfectly clear. I knew what I wanted to say. I could not speak and my body didn't work. So I couldn't even write. But when I was unconscious, cause I kept slipping in and out. So I, I would fell unconscious. Then I'd come back for a minute for a little bit. And then I'd slip back out. And when I was unconscious, I remember being a peaceful, loving void. Um, I wasn't scared. I felt like I was in a very deep sleep. Um, It was very peaceful. You would think it'd be scary. It wasn't at all. Um, And so I remember at one point I came back to consciousness and my um, doctors were trying to figure out what was going on. They had me do an MRI or they were doing an MRI me and they put these like headphones on my ears because it's such a loud banging noise with the MRI machine And it was just static coming through. And I couldn't tell anybody that it was just static. Now here I am like with a brain injury, listening to static for an hour while I get an MRI, like it was driving me crazy, but I couldn't move or speak. And I started to just, my dad was actually in the MRI room with me while I was having this done. And I started to like, just tell my body, like, move your feet, move your feet, like internally, I couldn't speak, but, and I got my feet to start kicking. And my dad saw that. And then he said he saw tears streaming down my face and he got up, started trying to drag me out of the machine. And, you know, the medical staff, they all came in, they, they got me out, they sat me up, they gave me like a dry erase board and a marker to try and like, so I could communicate. But because my hands were like this paralyzed, I couldn't hold the pen and write. 
So I just dropped it and I started crying hysterically because I was like, this is it. This is my life now. Like, I can't even communicate my most basic needs. Like, this is insane. And I was fully clear. Um, The next thing I remember after that was being unconscious again in a peaceful, loving void again. Um, I don't remember seeing a light or anything. It was just I was embraced by darkness. It was like a blanket of darkness swaddling me is all I could describe that as. And I knew I would be okay. And so I woke up, I came back to consciousness. I woke up again to my whole family around my bed saying goodbye to me because apparently the doctors told my parents that this, um, they looked on the intranet because they didn't have the internet back then. So on the intranet, they found that I was one of like eight cases in the world. This was a severe adverse reaction to the methotrexate in my, that was being administered in my spinal fluid. And there were only eight other cases and none of those kids came out of it. So they were either all locked in vegetative states or they died. And so they told my parents, like, either way, this is not going to end well. She's either going to be trapped in, you know, in this state for the rest of her life or she's going to be, you know, is going to die. So um, I didn't know any of this, obviously, like I didn't know what the doctors were saying and everything. So when I woke up, I mean, my whole family's around my bed, like aunts, uncles, cousins, um, siblings, my grandmothers, my grandfathers were both passed away at that point. I have no doubt they were right there. Um, my parents were there. Everybody just huddled around my bed saying goodbye. And I remember looking at all of them and just thinking, like, why do you guys look so scared? Because I had no idea what I looked like. I just felt very tired. And I kept looking up at the pole, like, what are they giving me? But they were not sedating me at all. According to my father, they would not give me anything, any kind of sedative or pain med because they didn't know where I was. They didn't know what conscious state I was in at this point. So they didn't want to sedate me more. You know, they needed, like, they didn't know if I'd wake up or, or what, what would happen, like, or would that kill me if they sedated me? And I remember at one point I had to have a, um, a spinal tap without sedation during this episode. And my dad said, I just, I was staring at him crying, just tears flowing from my eyes. And, you know, I wasn't sedated or anything for this procedure they had to do. And usually they did sedate me. So, um, when I woke up and saw everybody and I was just like, why are you guys so scared? I'm going to be okay. Like, I'm going to be fine. And um, I didn't know what they were looking at. Of course, I didn't know how bad I looked. Um, And then shortly after that, I came around, I was able to move my body again. Um, I began to, I, it took a minute to get my speech and my walking back and whatnot, but I was able to speak again slowly. I mean, I remember my aunt and cousins making like, you know, words on a, a index cards and whatnot so I could communicate um, until I could speak again. But, um, you know, after that happened, I was only 14 when that happened. And I still had a good probably 12 months left of my treatment plan, my treatment protocol. And um I don't even remember too much of that. Like, I, I think I, I 
I was just so blessed to not be trapped in my body that even going through cancer treatments maybe wasn't even that bad. So, I mean, I had a lot of adverse reactions to these treatments even after none that none that almost killed me like this one did. But I have a lot of problems with my joints and everything from the treatments, which, you know, it's better than where I was, you know, I mean, like being trapped in my body, that is. So after that, I pretty much buried that memory, went back to high school. I had an amazing time in high school. I was always a happy-go-lucky person. I just wanted to have fun. You know, I knew I was here. Um, it, I, I was here on like a journey. Like I, at that point, I knew I needed to have fun. You know, like I just not only escaped cancer, but, you know, being locked in a vegetative state. Like I knew how lucky I was, but I suppressed the memory. I, I, I buried that memory because the physical side of being trapped in that, you know, vegetative state was I was fully aware locked in my body. That was the scariest thing I could ever, for me, that was so scary. It's just so scary. You couldn't, I couldn't even communicate, you know? So I went on my life like normal, uh, normal, you know, um, childhood trauma. I buried it, went on my life. Um, didn't even think twice about it. Didn't even think twice about why my arms didn't straighten. I was like, I really, I even, I just always thought, oh, well, probably cause I, I slept a lot like this. So my arms, I wouldn't even go near that memory. Now in my early twenties, I, I had always wanted to work, um, like crime scene investigation, but because I have joint issues, I got issues, physical issues. I can't be an officer and you kind of have to you know, work your way to the crime scene investigator role. So I was like, what else could I do? And I heard about like um, a position working in the morgue at the local hospital. So I ended up actually getting this position where I worked in the lab up in the lab in the regular hospital, but I also assisted the County medical examiner in autopsies. And um, when I got this job, I I didn't even, I was not afraid of death at all. So it didn't phase me to be around death or dead bodies. Like nothing phased me about death. I knew those souls were in a better place. And also there's like a little synchronicity in there because I, I, um, I was a deaner, D-I-E-N-E-R. And that's like an autopsy assistant. That's the name for the job title. And I was Jen Dean. So I was Jen Dean, the deaner. So I was like, well, I must be where I'm meant to be. And um, so I went ahead and I started to do this job. And at that time, I was so naive. I had no clue what I went through. I definitely had the after effects, but I just didn't think twice about them. Like I had my experience when I was 14 years old. So having these after effects, and I thought they were normal, except when you go to work in the morgue with medical examiner cases that are like traumatic deaths, it was, I was not prepared for the spiritual side of that job. Like the physical side is bad enough, but I always looked at it as like, they're in a much, those souls are in a much better place, except there were some cases that the soul was definitely there. Um, You know, we did these, we did these autopsies within like, 24 hours of finding the body at least. So maybe it wasn't, maybe the body, maybe the person had died earlier, but like it was 24 hours to finding the body. 
or it was within 24 hours of the person's death. So the soul is still transitioning at that point. Like the soul might still be wondering what happened because these are traumatic deaths. So uh, the soul gets shocked and um, it's just kind of standing there like, what just happened to me? Like it's, you know, that soul is still trying to comprehend that they're dead. So I didn't know any of that back then, though. I just, there was one case in particular that, oh my gosh, this man, it was this um, older gentleman and he had end stage lung cancer and he could not take the pain anymore and he killed himself. Now, I had cancer. I heavily empathized with this man. I mean, like he still had the pain patch on his arm. I mean, I I just, I was all like suited up, ready to do the autopsy. I would be the one doing the cutting. The doctor would stand there just waiting for me to hand him the organs. And there would be sheriffs in the room to take pictures because it's crime scene. So it's, you know, they have to get their, their investigation on. And um, so (laughs) I was pretty new at the job. And uh, this case just rocked me. I felt because I knew where this man was before he ended his life. I knew the pain of cancer. I knew he couldn't take it anymore. And I put my hand out on his arm. And just as I did that, I got a flash in my mind's eye of what he did. And it shook me. And I just tears started filling my eyes. And mind you, there's sheriffs standing around waiting for me and a doctor watching me. They're all watching me do this. And one of the sheriffs, finally came over and put his arm around me. He's like, you have to detach from these cases or you're going to lose your mind. And I was like, okay, okay. I got to pull it back a little, got to rein it in. Like, cause these are very traumatic deaths. If you empathize so heavily with them, it's like, you're seeing what happened. Like I just wasn't ready for that. And so that case, just that soul has been with me ever since I have I have learned from him um, whenever I feel like I I feel like some of the cases I worked with, it was like I was learning the lesson for them um, because some of them, maybe it was an overdose. Maybe it was a suicide. Maybe it was just, I just didn't want them to die in vain. So I never judged. I showed them love and I, I just was always, um, open-hearted doing that job. I, I knew the souls were in a better place, but sometimes you could feel the soul lingering. And like many people who work with the dead can tell you that like funeral home directors and stuff. Sometimes they linger. Sometimes it takes a few days for the soul to actually fully cross over. They want to make sure their family's okay. They want to know what's going on. And then, then they'll cross over, you know, every soul does it in its own time. And, um, that one in particular, that one case, um, you know, that man, that soul comes to me when um, to remind me to be grateful for the time I have on this earth and to make the most of it. Um, because it's just, it's like, he's a guardian angel for me. You know, um, anytime I, I have been in depressed states where the pain was so bad and maybe I just didn't want to live anymore. And it was like, he came to me like, you know, you have to keep going. And there were times, you know, 
I, I did that job for five years and that was definitely the one case that impacted me the most. I mean, he rocked my world that, that just like that one case, um, it really shook me, you know? So I ended up, I finally figured I needed to start to work with the living. Um, I started to feel that way being pulled towards nursing more, um, rather than working in the lab and working with the dead. I had to go work with the living. So I, um, I became a nurse in 2011 and I started working pediatric home health. And one of the first patients, and I'd always wanted to be a pediatric nurse ever since I was sick. So one of my first patients was a patient that looked exactly like me. She had a very similar disease that or it, it wasn't the disease. It was a brain anomaly that I had. And she looked just like me, like how I looked when I was in that state. So I knew I was exactly where I was meant to be. Like I was like looking at myself. It was crazy to get that type of a patient as my first patient. Like I knew I was meant, I was meant to be where I was and everything was going great. Love my job. Everything was wonderful. Then in 2014, um, I lost a loved one and it like took me to my knees. I just didn't understand. I was mad at God. I didn't understand why God, you know, took this person, just couldn't have taken me to spare her. Like, why would God do this? Um, it really, I was in, I, I ended up falling in such a dark depression and it was that soul from that, from my old job, my previous job that would come to me to remind me to keep going. It was, you know, at one point I definitely had an out-of-body experience where I fell asleep on the couch and I woke up in my kitchen in front of my past on loved one. And I remember thinking, like not speaking, but thinking, oh my God, she's dead. How is she here? And I saw my body on the couch and uh, she gave me a hug and said, thank you so much for all you've done. And then I woke up and I felt this peaceful feeling just come down from the top of my head, flow through my whole body, out my feet. And I just laid there crying because I knew I definitely just saw an angel. I was hugged by an angel. And within, after that, uh, my whole, my whole perspective on life changed. It was like, I had definitely hit rock bottom and it was like, I wasn't really talking to people about how depressed I was like, and like spirit jumped in to grab me. And then my whole perspective shifted. And within two months, I was pregnant with my son, who I was told I probably would never get to because I had a ton of chemotherapy in my adolescence. We thought I was infertile. I mean, me and my husband would have tried for like eight years prior to that or six years prior to that and with no luck. So I, um, after I saw that angel, after I saw my past on loved one and she hugged me, it was like, I knew exactly what to do to get to my son. I knew the herbs to take. I knew the meditations to do, the visualizations to do. I just knew what to do um, to get my body in order to fall pregnant because I wasn't the healthiest. I got off a lot of medications. I really cleaned up my body. I got 
healthy with the help of God, because it was hard to do. But then I got pregnant and it was like mind blowing. Like there was no medical intervention to help me get pregnant. It was just divine timing once again. I mean, and I was, I was like, I felt like I was in a dream because this is the one thing I wanted my whole existence. Like, I feel like I've lived many lifetimes and I I never got to the point of being a mother or I never got to the point of being pregnant or being a mother. And I was finally there. It was like, this was the lifetime that I was finally getting what I've always wanted. And I had to keep a picture of the ultrasound on my fridge um, because I, I felt like I was in a dream. So I didn't know, uh, was I dreaming this? And, you know, it was insane. Um, now to back it up a little bit, there's a kind of a side story with my son because I, um, probably like a year before I conceived him, I had a family member go to a psychic and come to me and my husband and say, um, you're going to have, you guys are going to have a baby boy you're going to have a son one day. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I, at that point I was like, I don't know if I believe it. We've been trying so long. I'm starting to think it's never happening, you know, but even though like in my NDE, I always knew I'd get to my son. I just didn't know when or how, how meaning like, you know, fertility wise. And, and with my body could have like, I didn't really know how it worked. I always kept the faith that it would work when it was meant to. And at this point I was like 33 years old. So it was, it took a long time. It was like a long time of waiting. And I just was starting to fall depressed from that. That's like never going to happen. And then this woman said, you know, or the family member said, oh, you know, you're, you're going to have a baby boy. And I was like, ah, that, that, I don't know if that's me that she's seeing. So then within that year, um, probably about four months after my family member told us what the psychic said. I started to have a feeling where I was pregnant, but like, and I know there's a term for it, you know, there it's like phantom pregnancy or whatever, where you feel it, but it's not happening. And I get that. I get that. You know, it's uh, intuitively. I knew what it meant. I knew I felt this to my core. And that was my, that was like something it, the, I found out later the reason it happened and it saved my son's life because I was going to, to two of my doctors were telling me to take methotrexate, which is the chemotherapy that like messed with my brain. So I don't know why I was on it anyway, but if, if that, that medication you have to stop six months before you can start trying to have a child because it kills quickly growing cells. So it will either make you have a miscarriage or it will like cause major birth defects and you might have to have, you know, either you're going to have a very, you know, deformed child or you're going to have to, I, I, it would have caused me to have to make a decision that I could not have made at the point I was in in my life. I was just pulling out of a deep depression. If I would have lost a baby because I did feel pregnant and I did say this to my doctors, even though they looked at me like I was frigging nuts. They were, (laughs) I was like, I don't know. I had this weird feeling that I'm pregnant, but I'm like, I'm not showing pregnant on tests. And they just said, take them at the because I had rheumatoid arthritis. But I was like, oh, that doesn't feel right. I'm definitely not doing that. You know, I don't know what this feeling is, but I don't feel like that's a good idea to do. I had two different doctors tell me that. Then 
I mean, the, the feeling got so intense and then I started, I went to have an ultrasound and on the screen, I saw a 20 week fetus. Now I was not pregnant at this point. And I looked over at the tech and I'm like, she is not seeing that. So I'm going to keep quiet before I'm, you know, pulled out of here in a straitjacket. If I say what I'm seeing, I just took it all in. And I said, this kid is coming to me. Like now I'm seeing it. You know, this is, I already got the psychic reading. Somebody said, and now I'm seeing it. So I just aligned my body with the vision I was having. And boom, within two months I was pregnant. And the thing was now looking back, I know why my intuition was going crazy, making me feel pregnant, making me see these things because had I taken them at the Trek state, I would have gotten pregnant, but I lost my son. I would have lost him or I would have had to make a horrible decision uh, that I was not ready for, like I said. So my intuition completely saved my son. And just me and my husband at the time were just like, thank God, we, you know, you didn't listen to the doctors. And even during that time, my parents were telling me to listen to myself because like they had seen what I had been through. They knew I was intuitive. My dad always said, you always know, you know yourself better than anybody. So listen to yourself. Do you feel you have to do just, you know, follow your own role. That's what you do. You know, you know, I just need that backup and that guidance. Um, And thank God I did. You know, I, I ended up, you know, getting pregnant at, you know, I had my son at 34 on All Saints Day or Samhain, we're Irish and Scottish. So, um, you know, the, these are like festival times. Um, and I had him, I remember I went into labor on like on uh, Halloween, which was cool. But then I had him on All Saints Day. And when I found out I was pregnant, the first, when I got my first positive test, it was after seeing a double rainbow on St. Patty's Day. And I said that that was all my grandparents, like welcoming me into heaven because being a mother is my heaven on earth. Like feeling life grow inside of me gave me a whole new respect for my body that I, I lost because my body always gave me issues. I was, you know, I had cancer. I was a cancer survivor. So, um, it was, it was exactly what I needed. And God was the only one that could have given me that baby. So I just, I, um, I felt so blessed with that. And also I had, I guess, an out of body experience with when I was in during childbirth, which I, they say is like an out of body experience, because I remember as the nurse was saying, push, she, she said on the count of three push. And I said, okay, she said one, and then I was gone, like in peaceful void again, in peaceful darkness. And they say that during childbirth, you, you know, mother's soul goes up into the stars to gather her child's soul and they come down to earth together. I have no doubt that is absolutely what I did. I, that's absolutely what happens. That's definitely, I was in the void again. And when I came back, the nurse was like, good job. So she finished, she said two and three and push, but I was not there to hear that. So there was a lapse in time that was measurable to me. And I was like, that was so cool. <laughs> um, and then, so after I had my son, um, I ended up becoming a Reiki practitioner. Um, I started to have so many more 
like so much more spiritual experiences with becoming a mother. Cause it was like, I had that intuitive sense already from my NDEs, but then you go ahead and add motherly intuition onto that. And it was like, my gifts grew stronger. Um, and I did feel like I was on heaven on earth. Like being a mother is my heaven on earth. So I was very open. Um, I had prayed so much for my son and God, you know, I feel like God gave me my son and it's my time to give back some of this loving energy because like, um, the love I have for my son is like God's love, you know, that unconditional heart exploding, like God's love is even greater, but as close as it can get on earth, I would say your child, um, in my opinion. Uh, so I became a Reiki practitioner and added that to my nursing. Um, and so I'm a Reiki nurse now I do pediatrics. I use Reiki in my practice. Um, and ever since I, I also about two and a half years ago, I miscarried, I had a miscarriage and, um, I, it was horrible it was horrible. And as I was grieving, going through the grieving process, I felt my grandmother there and I had my baby come through to me and give me a hug and tell me that she loved me. And my grandmother was like holding her hand and they're waiting for me on the other side until I cross over. But the interesting part is that my baby is five years old on the other side. She, I lost her at seven and a half weeks. So And I believe the reason I see her older is because she grew spiritually because she taught me what true loss was. And you have to learn the good and the bad here. So my son taught me true love on earth and my daughter taught me true loss. Like I know it was a girl. She had a beautiful energy to her. Um, It just, she was never meant to incarnate. And that was the thing that um, I learned through that experience was she completed her mission. That's why she's older when I see her. Um, she's beautiful little five-year-old girl. And I, I mean, I feel her there all the time. Even like on my mystical mama page, I share a lot of my, um, experiences. And just the other day, I, I tried to do a, 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 like a trick with, with the incense smoke I saw on TikTok where you can make it go up in a stream, like just with your energy. And I'm like, let me try it out. So as I'm doing it, I kind of throw in there spirit, show me hearts. And as I'm seeing an image appear and I'm like, what the heck? And I go get my camera and take a picture. It was a seven week fetus that showed up in the smoke. And I, I was like, Oh my God. I like had to walk outside. (laughs) I came back in and I'm like, why am I seeing that? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, spirit. like well-played spirit. They're showing pieces of my heart that shattered. Like when I lost my baby and lately my son has been asking for a younger sibling and I, it breaks my heart because he has a younger sibling, but doesn't like he knows he has an angel sister, but He doesn't really understand it fully. He wants a kid to play with, you know what I'm saying? But like, I, it, it's been bothering me. So it was like spirit was asking me to release that, release that guilt, release, release the hurt, the sadness, like my baby's there. I will see her again. She's always there. She'll come through to me. Um, I've 
I just had a lot, I have a lot of synchronicities and signs and I actually have a whole like system with my spiritual team that I assign them numbers. And like, if I go into it, it's like, (laughs) it's kind of deep how I do it, but I, that is how I get my guidance. That is how I've always gotten my guidance. And the thing was back, you know, I buried the memories of what happened to me, but you still have the after effects, whether you remember what happened or not. Right. So I buried it for 20 years. And I believe the reason I was able to start like to get to my son, to get pregnant was after my loved one passed away and I was in such a dark depression and I started, you know, screaming at the sky to God, like, why would you take her and not me? Like, why, why, why? Then that's when those memories returned. And that was like God's way of saying, like, you have a big purpose. Like I've given you extra time. I just buried the memory. So it wasn't, it wasn't until like maybe five or so years ago that the memory of the experience came back. And then that's when I started to talk to my parents about it. And even my mom was like, Oh my gosh, she's remembering things. And it was accurate stuff. Like things I would say, they were like, we remember that. We remember that. Like, so that's my validation. Like it was just crazy. I mean, I I lived a full happy life. It wasn't like I was depressed until, until I really was until I, that I lost the loved one. And I just, I had like survivor's guilt and I, I just, you know, but it was like, God reminded me. And then I started to process the memory and I noticed my intuition rising with that. I started to see signs and synchronicities like crazy. And then um, that's when I was having these visions. It was, it was an intense like wake up. It was almost like I called back in parts of my soul from remembering that, you know what I mean? Like I started to become whole again and then boom, I got pregnant with my son. Um, So now I basically am mainly working on, um, you know, I'm a Reiki nurse right now. I see Reiki work amazing for my patients. And that's part of my like future goal is to get, you know, energy medicine more into healthcare. Like if we could teach people to be, you know, healthy and well, it'll, it won't, you know, we'll be able to help people to know what to do for themselves because, you know, with energy medicine and, you know, you're more in tune with your intuition. So, you know, I'm, I basically, my mission now is just remind everybody that we are never alone. Cause that was one of my, the biggest epiphanies I had in that experience was I am not alone. I am not alone. Like I knew something was there. And ever since I have had proof time and time again, that I am not alone and I'm being guided and, and, um, you know, spirits proud of me. And, and I, I really now, Ever since I had my son, he's four and a half now. Um, even he actually has like experiences. He saw my grandmother. Like I was folding laundry and all of a sudden out of nowhere, he was like, um, mommy, grandma Drummond's behind you. And I was like, grandma Drummond died in 2013. He was born in 2016. So he never met her. And I was like, uh, where is she? And he's like, she's right behind you. I said, she have anything to say? And he's like, yeah, she said she loves you. I said, I love you too, Graham. 
but like I teach my son spirituality. I teach him to be open. I teach him to be in touch with spirit. And it, in a way, I guess it's sad because like, I am a 25 year pediatric cancer survivor with like, I've been good this whole time too. I've been in remission for 25 years now. Yes. I always kind of have a fear of cancer, you know, returning, but like getting to my son is a place that I never thought I'd get to. I thought I would die first. I thought or I would die or I just would never be able to get to him. So I embrace every single day. Like it's my last. And I just, I just like enjoy the time I have with him, but I teach him that I'm always there no matter what, even if I'm not here in, you know, like he doesn't understand that now, but God forbid, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how much time, none of us know how much time we have. So for me, that's how I, I, I teach him that to stay open to spirit. And he really is like, we work with all kinds of different energies and he sees stuff and he'll say stuff that I'm thinking like the bond with me and him, I'll be thinking something. I was talking to somebody about a near death experience, but texting. And he came over to me, he goes, mommy, did you die? And I was like, no, <laughs> where do you come? Like, where did you get that from? That was, it was a text conversation. I just don't know how, you know, there's some things that he'll come out and say, it's like, I'm thinking something and he will say it. So the kids are very intuitive, you know, and that's one thing I learned um, in pediatrics that I mainly work with either neuro cases or pediatrics because I am highly intuitive and I use that ability to speak to my patients, you know, so we can communicate without verbalization. I use it, my patients, babies, kids, they can't communicate their needs. It's all intuitive. That's mother intuition. Like you basically are stepping in almost like as their mother to be able to meet their needs when you're the nurse. And um, so I just kind of shifted into the healer role, healthcare role with those gifts, but I can also communicate like to spirit on the other side too, because if I can communicate to one soul, even on, you know, if you can communicate to a soul on earth, you're intuitive with this, uh, a soul on earth. You're also, it's a soul. You know, I mean, it may be incarnated soul and one that's, you know, on the other side, but nevertheless, the Reiki has helped me fine tune that it has helped me become more aware of energies and what energies I'm working with. So it's been a huge asset to my nursing practice. And my goal is to teach healthcare professionals, you know, down the line to teach healthcare professionals how to work Reiki into their practice. Um, cause I feel like I am being asked to do that and that will be my next step. But, um, and I'm, you know, I'm working on writing a book, which I keep getting told spirits like do it, do it. And I'm getting there. It's just, there's a lot of trauma, um, in the beginning of my story that that was a ton of trauma. That's why I buried it for 20 years. And I never spoke about it. I never, uh, the spiritual side of things though, being open, I honestly, I never thought twice. I thought it was normal. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? People think this is it? Really? I just, I like my parents and my family, we never really went, we were Irish Catholic growing up, but like we would go to church, you know, here and there, like for holidays and whatnot. We were not, you know, 
we we were loosely Catholic, but nonetheless, after I had that experience, we never went back to church. It was just basically like we saw this miracle at the bedside, and it, it that was it. We knew God was with us always. You know, like God answered so many prayers and I had a lot of prayers coming through. I want to share that too. I had prayer chains going through for me. Um, we used to live in Kansas. I had prayer change out prayer chains out there. I had prayer chains here. I had a ton of prayer tra- chains going on for me. And I truly do believe in pr- um, the power of prayer, that uh, energy that you're sending out. I do believe that that helped me to be healed and to wake up. So like, you know, I, I always like, if anybody needs prayers, I always send out loving energy and, and, and prayers. I truly believe in that. Cause I do believe that's part of the reason I'm still here. You know, those prayers uplifted me, you know, and healed me. So that's pretty much it. I think unless I, something pops up out of, <laughs> All right. So I first want to say you've had an amazing journey and I want to thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, no problem. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's been kind of wild. Mm-hmm. 25 years of excitement. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start here. Um, I'm just going to ask you a few things that I'm curious about and or I'm not clear about. When your friend died, you also said that you saw an angel, I believe. So I'm not really clear. Did you see her and an angel or were you considering her to be an angel? I saw her as an angel. As an angel. Okay. Right. Because I, that, my, this loved one, that death, her death just shook me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had never been so depressed in my, in my whole life. I was so, I just didn't really want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was so low. Um, And I honestly, it feels like something grabbed me and pulled me from hitting, slamming face first into the ground. Mm -hmm. And that, it was that experience. I remember it was around Christmas time because I remember I was sleeping on the couch and the Christmas tree was up. And I woke up in the kitchen and she was in front of me and she had died like a year prior or so. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, how is this happening? She's dead. Like I, I remember thinking that and it was all verbal communication or not no verbal communication, all telepathic. She looked like she did when she was alive and she just thanked me and hugged me. And I remember waking up, on the couch after that, but I just, there was this peaceful feeling like healing feeling that came throughout my whole entire body. It felt like it started from up here and went through my whole body. And, you know, I just started crying. I knew I legitimately just got hugged by an angel. Mm -hmm. Um, and after that, it's like my intuition was, blowing up. Like, I can't even tell you how many synchronicities I started to see. I didn't even know what a synchronicity really was yet. Mm -hmm. This after that happened is, or around that time is when I started to research near death experiences. I never even knew what it was before that. It was like, she was bringing me to my truth. It really was. And then shortly after that, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Like after she hugged me and stuff, that's around the time of that, the memories from my experience started to come back. And, and as an adult to remember that I was like, Oh my God. Like I escaped like a horrible fate. Like that, that would have been horrible. I mean, living, even the doctors, they didn't really beat around the bush back then. They even said to my parents, like this, her being in that state is worse than her dying. Like, that's what they said to my parents. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I really, I, back then they really, I mean, they, they told us that they knew more about leukemia and cats. I was like, do you want to be telling your patients that? I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, well, this is going to be fun. Um, and you know, I, it, a lot of it was experimental. So that's, you know, they learned a lot from me too, because that was such a, a rare adverse reaction. But um, it, I believe it was meant to happen. And I remember after that, I went to like a family party. I felt like an alien. I did not, I didn't, I just didn't feel like I blended with anybody anymore. I felt so different. I couldn't explain the difference I felt. And it really was like, I suppressed that memory, but I had a wonderful 20 years. You know what I mean? I had an amazing 20 years. I was always full of life. I always wanted to party or hang out with people or have fun, like, because I like escaped death a couple times, you know? And so I just wanted to live it up. And it was like, finally in, you know, in my early thirties, when life was really hitting me hard, it was like, I wasn't getting pregnant. I couldn't get pregnant. I just wanted a baby. Well, I would cry to my parents all the time throughout the years. Why can't God just give me a baby? Why can't I just have a baby? Cry and cry to them. So me getting pregnant with my son didn't just heal me. It healed my entire family. It healed my parents are alive to see him, to hold him, to, to love him. You know, people who watched me go through everything get to see him. And like, so, and like, I will live on you know, and he is, he's feisty like me. So I really, am going to live on I'm like, he's my energetic clone. I say, mm. so it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's like, I argue with myself basically, but I love him to death. I, I mean, really it was, I prayed so much for that baby and it came once again, divine timing stepped in just like back when I had the reaction and it was right before I went in for my first round of radiation in my brain. Had that reaction happened while I was getting the radiation, I would never have come out of that. I would have been in a stuck in a vegetative state because the chemo would have been burned into my brain. Even to this day, I'm not, I'm never allowed to get radiation to my brain. So it's like divine timing. I see it happen. And um, yes, that was though, that was my friend that died and gave me a a hug. And then I, I was pregnant shortly after, like, I just, it wasn't like, I just magically, you know, it was like, I knew what to do to get my body prepared. You know, I knew the herbs to take. I did these meditations and visualizations and, you know, worked with the moon's energy and like very pagan with it. It was, it was, it was a lot of holistic stuff. And me and my husband at the time, we couldn't afford IVF or anything anyway. Like we couldn't afford that stuff. So 
I looked at it like, well, first of all, my body's been through the ringer with Western medicine. So maybe trying Eastern, you know, or trying holistic approach for this is the best bet, you know, and sure enough, it led me right to my baby. But that was absolutely, it was like I had a download of information when I got that hug. Mm-hmm. So I got like healing energy and, and a download of information. And that's how I knew what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I believe you said earlier that this guy from the morgue has been with you all your life. If he still is, even before, how does he communicate with you? Is it like telepathic or do you see him in dreams or or how does that work? Um, well, so part of the hard part of of uh that job, like I when I saw the vision of what he did. I have had that vision pop up when it needs to, you know what I mean? Like when I was in a very, very, very deep depression. And if I ever thought about anything, it was like the image popped up. It was like him saying like, just live life to the fullest. You're going to be okay. You don't want to end up where I was, you know, like it was like, that's how I know he's with me. I know he's with me because when I was, I have been through depressions and I feel him there. Just like, it was like I met part of my soul group. I really feel that way. I didn't get to meet him while he was living, but I met him afterwards. You know what I mean? I met him as he was transitioning and um, he's been with me ever since. I, I will never, ever, ever forget that man. And he impacted me. And some of my beliefs changed with that. I mean, like, I just, I, I, it broke my heart, you know, it to see it, like, he shouldn't have had to die like that. It broke my heart. And because I had cancer and I had been where he was. And yes, when you're going through those chemotherapy treatments and all this and like, Yes, it's so painful that sometimes you just would rather just die. Like it sounds horrible, but like it 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 the pain is overwhelming. So I know where he was. Mm-hmm. Um but I definitely feel like protected by him. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it it was just as um shocking as that was for you know to see what he did. Um it has saved me many times over to make me to realize, to be grateful for my life and to live my life to the fullest, not only for me, but for him, Mm. you know, and I do that. I live my life to the fullest for all those cancer patients that didn't make it. Mm. You know, I don't know why I made it and another person didn't, but I'm going to live my life to the fullest for them. Mm. So like, I've always looked at life like that. Like I got a lot of, second chances so you know i'm here on borrowed time like i fully am fully aware of that so i mean but when i worked in the morgue with some of these cases um some of them did stick with me yeah yeah and that was one of them Mm. without a doubt Mm. that that man it appears that you have i guess you could say a gift of visions a gift of of seeing synchronicities do you feel like you've had any other psychic-like abilities from this experience? Um, I feel I'm a feeler. So, like, I my strong suit is claircognizance, where I have a clear knowing. And 
um, clairsentience, my feels. I do get visions. I do not see apparitions because I do not want to see apparitions. That's like a spiritual boundary. I tell spirit, do not show me like an apparition. You'll scare me. Like, I don't know why that's scary to me. I just, I, I, I don't mind seeing orbs. And I see a lot of orbs. I pick them up all the time on video or camera. Um, just the past couple of weeks, maybe the super full moon, the energy coming through, I've picked up a lot more activity lately. And I noticed that if there's celestial events and there's more energy coming through, I, I get more because it's like, you know, the energy has to kind of meet for spirit to be able to come through and show themselves. So if, if there's a celestial event happening, bringing in more energy to the earth and I'm more open to that, then they can come to me a lot easier. They can, they can always come. I, 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 I hear them, you know, like internally. Um, I, I, I have, after I became a mother, my Claire's like really heightened. So I mean, I always had, I don't, I think as I, when I was younger, I didn't particularly know it was anything. So I didn't have these words. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know it was weird that I saw the man kill himself when I put my hand on his arm and it shook me, but I didn't understand what happened. Um, but yeah, like I, I have these abilities. I have them um, other than like the taste. I can smell flowers sometimes or something like cologne, but I think Claire Gustians is the only one I don't have. But um, yeah, they have definitely strengthened though. And as I get further down the path of the energy working, like I, I in 2018, um, a couple months before I had my miscarriage, I became a Reiki practitioner because I, I, my husband at the time had gifted me a Reiki session and I hit it off so well with my Reiki master. She ended up becoming my Reiki master. Like I got, you know, initiated into Reiki one and two. And um, so as I go further down the line, after I had the miscarriage, like last year I did um, uh, initiated as a Magdalene Rose priestess for doing womb healings. Um, the next step is Reiki master. So as I get initiated more, those clairs all intensify. It's like I'm more open energetically. And I actually do see differences. Like I see more now than before I, I did the priestess. Once I did the priestess training and I work with like Mary Magdalene energy, it is intense. Like it is beautiful healing energy. And I know I was guided to that. Because a lot of, you know, the womb chakra, like there was a lot, I was guided to this group and it, it was, it's amazing and I love it. And um, it's like my Scottish roots, they're in Glasgow. So it's like the frequencies that come from there because of where they are, you know, um, in the planet that just these frequencies that come, it's amazing, amazing. But um, yeah, I, I definitely had gifts when I was younger, like after in my early twenties, I would say from teenager to early twenties, I just never noticed them. So I never thought it was different that I was, what I was seeing or feeling or hearing or 
you know, I didn't put any labels on it. It really wasn't until like five years ago. It really, it was like, I got hugged by my friend, my, the soul of my friend. And then I found my way to like the spiritual world. Like, and I was guided to near death experience groups to near death experiencers to like that, this whole world. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these are my people, <laughs> you know, like these, like I, even the void, like I, I normally like, if you go into complete darkness, you wouldn't think anything of it. You know, for a long time, I didn't think anything of it until I found more stories like mine, more experiences like mine. And I was like, so to be aware and be aware of the darkness that was around me, like that was something, you know, and knowing I'd be okay. And then having a spontaneous remission and waking up and coming out of that and doctor said that was a miracle. You know, I, I just, I didn't put anything together. It was when I got older, especially after becoming a mother, like that's when I realized how strong my intuition was. And, um, and it's funny cause I had used it for years in my nursing practice without maybe fully knowing what, what the words, proper words were, but, um, yeah, it just gets stronger. It's getting stronger. The further on I go, the more I grow stronger it's getting. So what do you think inspires you most about these near death experiences that you had? Um, what inspires me is that no matter how alone I feel in this world, I know I am not alone. And that is the message I got. And it is inspiring to me because I know I'm not alone. And I know knowing that there is an afterlife inspires me to really treat my journey, my life journey as a journey and to really learn the lessons and to love individuals and heal and do whatever I can. Um, you know, the, the experiences I have had just help to reaffirm to me that, you know, God does love me. You know, I'm, I'm here. God loves me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still breathing. I have my son. I have, I have everything I could ever want in life. Am I, do I have a ton of money and a bunch of nice, you know, stuff and this and that? No, I don't. I'm live pretty normal, but like I have my son. That was the one thing. So of honestly, all the experiences giving birth to my son was the best experience of my life without a doubt. You mentioned that you were working on a book and I kind of feel like you have two books. I, ha- I think I have an idea for free. I oh, think. Okay. So I you're think. one ahead of me. Well, I, I'm just, you know, I need to like really sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. I really do. I am. I'm just a slacker sometimes. So well, I was going to say you, you have a book about your near death experience, but you almost have a book about surviving cancer as well, especially for, you, yeah, for that, teenagers. That definitely. And I also worked for, I worked as an autopsy assistant for five years. Mm-hmm. So, and like some of the cases, like I said, it was spiritual wrapped in there. I, it was like this. It was like, I even said to my, my, I said to my dad, when the memories started to come back after 20 years and I was finally talking about it, I said, 
wow, I didn't even remember I went through that. And then I went and worked in the morgue. I was like, dad, I went like really dark with that experience. And he was like, I don't know. You almost died. I figured it was normal. So <laughs> I was like, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, um, but it's just weird. I'm directed right to death. Come on. Like just that that's weird. But yeah, for sure. Um, the cancer thing is, I think would like, like for me as a nurse, I, I would have loved to work in pediatric oncology. I don't think I'd be able to do it. Um, I see a lot of rough stuff in my, in home health, but to be there, like to write a book about the cancer itself, um, to get that descriptive, to go back to, I mean, I did lose a lot of memories from then too. I mean, there's some stuff I don't remember. Um, which I feel like some of these memories come back when they're meant to like that memory of what happened to me 25 years ago, when that came back five years ago for a reason, I, I needed that memory to give me that push to realize how to be grateful to be alive. Like that I needed to be grateful because I had already gotten a major, um, you know, I'm, I'm on borrowed time, like a cup for a couple different reasons. You know what I mean? So I definitely think that those memories come back for a reason, but, or at the time that they're meant to come back. Um, but yeah, I def, that would be interesting to write a book about, um, you know, cancer too. I'd have to really work. I would do the spiritual thing first. Mm-hmm. I would do my book about all the spiritual experiences. Cause that I love talking about the cancer thing is, it can be rough. I actually feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. If I go too detailed, my arm will go numb. Like um, my body, your body doesn't forget trauma. So, so yeah. Have you considered getting a hypnosis to see if you pick up any other memories while you were having your near-death experience? I did think about that. Yes. I, I would definitely do that. I would definitely do it. It's, I actually thought about becoming a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. Um, I, I actually thought about doing, cause I'm a birthing doula too. So I thought about kind of weaving in like hypnobirthing. Um, I would definitely do it. I, I, I feel, but then a part of me is like, eh, do you want to do it? But mainly, mainly to remember if there was, there was more to that experience like what you're saying, you know, um, I had another out of body experience shortly after that, where I, I did wake up on the ceiling and I was like hyperventilating on the couch and my mom was in the kitchen and I could see everything. And I watched her walk back in and sit down next to me and shake me. And I woke up and she was in front of me. This was like shortly after I came out of the vegetative state. Um, and I had gone home at this point. So I've had like some out of body experiences and stuff, but I'm wondering, I mean, I would totally try that to bring back memories if, if we could focus mainly on the near death experience, but I don't know if it's going to bring back memories from treatments I went through that maybe I should leave alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, I guess it would be tricky. I, I would definitely talk to a hypnotherapist though. I guess. See what they 
Yeah, I don't know enough to tell you either myself what they would do. I would hope that maybe the hypnotherapist could guide you and just keep it, you know, within those experiences. But yeah, I'll have to check it out. We'll see. Maybe maybe that's a good idea. Maybe there's more to it. Especially if you're going to write a book about it. You never know. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a long time, I didn't think anything of it because I remember the peaceful, loving feeling of the darkness. I mean, even to this day, I love being in a pitch dark room. Mm. Like, I feel very comforted by being in the dark Mm. because, yeah, because I feel like I'm there again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really weird. Like, I love being just all the windows like blacked out and just pitch black and nice and cool. Like, um, I love that. Mm. Some people are afraid of the dark. I'm like, I'm definitely not afraid of the dark. Mm. <laughs> so. All right. Well, let me switch gears on you. Okay. You mentioned that you have a Facebook page. What was the name of your Facebook page again? Oh, I, um, I run a page on Facebook called mystical mama. Mm-hmm. And, um, I basically share, energy tips like uh if there's celestial events happening you know what kind of energy is coming through um what you can do with that energy but i also share a lot of like signs and synchronicities i get or if i get weird stuff i pick up spirit on camera or i share it there that's just basically like whatever happens i share everything there which a lot of stuff every day like there's I have no doubt that there's an afterlife because every single day I get signs Mm. and synchronicities from past on loved ones every day. So I kind of share them there on this mystical mama page just for people to check out, you know, and there's also other stuff in there. It's not just about me. That's it's also, you know, like the wheel of the year, different seasons and, you know, it's it's a spiritual page, but I do readings on there sometimes. Um, so that's my Mystical Mama page. And there's mysticalmamahealing.com. And that is, um, it just, it's uh, my website and what, you know, services I offer and prices and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, that's mainly, mainly it. Until I write that book, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Well, I had an author on once before, before I had all these near-death experience videos. I was just doing all kinds of stuff, trying to find my audience for this podcast. And this was a, an author that had written at least 20-something books. But I wow. think he was in trying to inspire me to write a book. But he, he, he told me, and I'll just pass this along, that if you can just write for 15 minutes every day, just right. 15 minutes, you'll write 500 words. Right. That's very true. I know, like I have some extra time right now and I'm like, if I treat this like my job, like and just on my days where I have, you know, my son's with his dad, if I go ahead and just sit and write a chapter a day, I mean, I have the book, but my only problem is the very beginning of the story of my experience is when I first found out I was diagnosed and this and that, and I go into detail and it's when I get into the heavy detail, mm-hmm. my body starts feeling it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> right. So once I once I get past the first chapter or two and I shift gears into the more spiritual side of things, mm-hmm. and it's not so much because that it's just childhood trauma, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my 
my body's pretty banged up, but I have to write the book. Like that is a big message I keep getting from spirit is write the book because like, I have to share my story. That's why I'm, I'm coming out more now. Um, this is where I'm being guided to, you know, do more with is my experiences to share them, to inspire people, especially right now, you know, there's a big shift. Um, and you know, people are becoming more spiritual. They're awakening more. So it's like to help guide people to the truth. So, um, I think that that is why there's more near death experiencers coming forward is we're all getting the message right now to share our truth now, like, because it's we're shifting the energy coming through is shifting we're all shifting consciously you know to a different conscious state we're awakening more as a whole so i really i do believe that that's why there's a lot more people coming forward with their with their experiences that had never shared it before mm-hmm. we're um, all getting that nde nudge you know if people go to your page and then they message you personally on your page, do you reciprocate or are you more of a private person? Because after watching this podcast, you know, you may get a lot of people reaching out to you. No, I definitely, I, I check it all the time. So I'm always on there conversing. Like I, I'll definitely do that. I'm also actually, I have a YouTube channel. It's mystical mama on Mm. YouTube as well. Um, I just have to start, uploading more content because I forget about YouTube. So because I have like, I'm a single mom and then I have work and then I try to do all these things on the side and I got my Reiki practice that I'm trying to, so I have to, um, I have a little extra time right now. So I have to take that time and start uploading stuff. So there is a YouTube channel too, but I do, I do get back to people. Um, you know, people leave comments or message me private message me if they they want you know a reiki session or whatever i do distance reiki right now which is perfect with the whole covid thing because it really does work well i have a great feedback with it and it's not it's not like i have to come to you we do it over like this like video chat and and it works just as well so because it's energy so energy goes wherever you intend it to go Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely get back to people. Okay. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you want to share with everybody? I basically just want to reiterate the message that was shared with me, um, which is we are never alone. You are never alone. Even when you feel like you are alone and nobody's there for you, nobody's in your corner. We all have our own spiritual teams guiding and protecting us. And even if you're at your lowest low and you don't feel or see them there, they are there. You are not alone. Um, And I just, um, you know, it it will get better. Things always end up getting better. So this, my message is to just keep going because like you might be in the dark, but you're going to get to the light. You need to go through the dark to get to the light. So that's, that's my my little message well, to everybody. That's, that's a great message. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being my guest. Yes, thank you for having me on. All right, I wish you the best and have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Have a great night. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.